from the recording studio at Wimberley Road, welcome to Extraordinary Joes, where we tell the extraordinary stories of ordinary people, just like you and me. Each week, we'll sit down with a special guest and hear the story of their life, career, and lessons they've learned along the way. After spending some time with our guest, you just might realize that your next extraordinary story is well within reach. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's get started. Thank you for joining us on another session of Extraordinary Joes. I am pleased to be joined by Jen Stockman today. Jen is the author of The War on Your Voice and also works for Bethel Atlanta. Jen, thanks so much for joining us. It's a real pleasure to have you. Oh, thank you, Brian. I'm so happy to be here. What a treat. Well, we'll uh, dive right in with our rapid fire if you are ready. I'm ready. All right. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Uh, how do you take your coffee? I love it black. Really? Yep. I, I, I'm just a hardcore coffee drinker. It hasn't nice. always been there. I worked at Starbucks um, oh, really? for several years. And so um, I, I became a black coffee drinker with all that coffee tasting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, shoes or sandals? Uh, both. I just, both. I just, I love one on each foot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> some days, some days it feels like one is on each foot. I just yeah. love all types of shoes in general and boots. Okay. Autumn is coming. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, are you a beach or a mountain person? Mm, probably mountains. Okay. Do you, do you have a, like a, place close by or a place you like to get to? Well, I'm from Northern California. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, but you know, we also lived uh, near the coast, so I hold okay. both to my heart, but we, we do a lot of camping. And so I, I really like being out there in the mountains. So we've done a lot yeah. of exploring around here up in North Georgia. There's some beautiful mm -hmm. places. We went out to, um, a friend of mine got married last summer and we went out to, where did he, he got married, um, gosh, I can't remember the name of the town. It was just somewhere around San Jose. Um, but we went to Yosemite for several days. Um, and then even in, I guess it was like the San Francisco area, there's still plenty of like, you know, mountainous scenic terrain. So it was really cool mm -hmm. uh, for us to get out there especially in Yosemite to see all that stuff. It's a very pretty out there. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Northern California is, uh, sometimes when you say you're from California, people automatically think Southern California and right. palm trees and hot weather. Sure. But it's just the exact opposite. It's cold and foggy and redwoods everywhere. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know redwoods were special. Until I, <laughs> until I was an adult because they were just, yeah. they were in my backyard. Wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Morning or night person? Morning. 10,000%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm curious. Do you have a, do you have like a morning routine that you like to follow that helps with your day or? Yeah. Mostly the big goal is just get up before my children. Uh, yeah. Otherwise I feel like I just kind of get run over by a truck. Sure. Um, so you know, I just, I love a quiet morning, make a cup of coffee, read, meditate, yeah. and feel like I have some time to myself before the day gets going. Right. Um, electric or regular toothbrush? Electric. All right. 
Uh, okay, this may not be a fair question. Um, East Coast or West Coast? <laughs> <laughs> now they they both have my heart. So yeah. yep, they both have both. my heart. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you like your tea sweet or unsweet? Uh, sweet. Okay. Was that a change when you moved over to the to Georgia or? Have you always liked sweet tea? I've always liked sweet tea. Yeah. Okay. Hot, regular, or no yoga? Uh, you know, I've only done yoga a couple times. I, I'm curious about the hot yoga, though, because I've heard it's really great for cleansing your system. And Yeah. Um, so. I, I Before um, all the corona stuff, I, I, was, I was regularly doing yoga. And I really enjoyed hot yoga. I don't really know. I don't know that I like knew enough to know and appreciate any kind of like cleansing. It yeah. just felt like I was sweating a lot, <laughs> um, which I guess is what that is. But it wasn't like I, you know, appreciated the the cleansing process. But I just, I, it, I did enjoy the, you know, it loosens you up a little bit. It was, it was good. Yeah, I really want to try it. I because I don't sweat a lot naturally, and that's such a good uh toxin releaser yeah yeah okay favorite childhood television show uh hmm. you know i've loved uh i've loved rainbow bright okay i loved yeah. i loved care bears yeah um, okay i loved saved by the bell nice so there's a little plethora there <laughs> yeah um Okay, if you had to eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner for the rest of your life, only meal for the rest of your life, which one would you go with? Breakfast. How much money would it take to get you to skydive? Oh, my gosh. It would take so much money. (laughs) (laughs) Not not feeling that. No, it would take so much money. Really, I would need to be rescuing one of my children in some (laughs) way to skydive. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay, favorite Disney character? Uh, Cinderella. Okay. Um, Disney, by the way, uh, we have some friends who are like, um, I think she may do some, she's like a Disney travel planner. Mm-hmm. She's like really into Disney. And they went to Disney uh, a couple weeks ago and said it was incredible because there was only, it was like 25% capacity. And because um, they're like oh, opening in phases, yeah, you know? Yeah. And um, she said that uh, the like sanitation processes were just like you would expect Disney to do, but um, which was, it was like top notch, but they, the park was like, they sent pictures and the park was like empty. I almost went like the next weekend and went because I hate the crowds. Oh yeah. So I was like, Hey, if we can go now, <laughs> like, you know, um, get credit for going to Disney without the crowds would be great. Oh, that would be so great. Yeah. yeah I could imagine just being able to like walk up to the rides. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, would you rather be in the water with a shark or an alligator? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, probably a shark. Okay. Yeah. I, since moving here and hearing stories about alligators, and uh, they just really creep me out. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. What are you – this is maybe a little more serious here um, <laughs> than the rest of the show <laughs> so far. Uh, what are you curious about right now? Mm, yeah. Well, I'm a little bit of a researcher. So I've just really been following, uh, it, it's pretty heavy, but just the, um, have you heard of the out of the shadows 
documentary just about um, child sex trafficking and you know, that that seems like it's um, I don't want to say getting more attention, but like I have noticed in my social media feeds yeah. more and more people talking about that. Yeah, yeah. So I've been like um, a part time researcher over here. Uh, yeah. I'm a five on the Enneagram. Are you into the Enneagram at all? Um, I've, I've like taken it and gone through it, but it's been a while. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, I, I just love, um, learning and information. So I'm super curious about, um, just, uh, how big that problem actually is in the United States of America and, and just my own personal lack of awareness and the part the media has played in that and, the corruption behind it. So I, I've just been super curious in mm. trying to grow my personal responsibility of just becoming educated. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a, a book that you have read or you're currently reading that has made uh, an impact on you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love to read. Um, I am reading right now this book called The Artist's Way. Um, okay. And it's just all about like unlocking your creativity. Um, and it's an older book, but a super popular book, I guess. Um, there's a bunch of activations um, at the end of each chapter. So it's kind of like an interactive book. Um, but it's really impacting me just in how to practically get to just deeper places of freedom in our creative expressions, our creative outlets. So I'm enjoying it. Yeah. All right. Finally, a small thing that makes you happy. A small thing that makes me happy is probably just a quiet moment. Mm. I don't have a lot of quiet moments. And so when I just have a moment to sit in the quiet, it makes me really happy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jen, thanks for playing along with uh, our rapid fire. Yeah, that was fun. I love yeah. it. Um, so one of the things that, um, <clears throat> that, you know, you mentioned is your, the writing of your book, The War on Your Voices. And please tell me if I'm getting this correct, uh, breaking through or break through the lids that silence the sound of who and whose you are. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Um, can you first maybe tell me just a little bit about what uh, kind of lit the fire for you to even have the idea to write the book? Yeah. And I, you know, I always dreamed um, of being an author. I, I remember growing up, I really loved writing. Um, I, I, I would feel most alive writing. And so for years, um, you know, I would just dream of someday I'm going to write a book. And, um, when I actually went to begin writing the book, uh, it definitely did not feel, um, as magical yeah, yeah. <laughs> as That's when, right. uh, it was just a dream and the dream, you know, was, uh, kind of like unicorns and rainbows. And then when I sat down and really tried to start, um, writing, writing from my heart, writing, uh, from my passion. Um, it was a huge challenge and I had to just confront a ton of internal lids that I didn't know were there in, right. um, really expressing myself and writing confidently and freely. Um, 
So it was just kind of, just kind of writing has always been where I feel my truest self. So it's just kind of always been a dream. So that really propelled me forward into what kind of price am I willing to pay in my personal growth and development to deal with what I need to deal with to actually live this dream and pull it out of the sky and actually um, become what I've always dreamt of becoming. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What, what did that, um, how long did it take you from sort of, I'm going to do this to, uh, wow, it's out in the world. Yeah. So really, you know, those first, uh, starts, it was probably about a four year process where I would sit down and I would just start to write and I would feel, um, kind of like new year's resolution y (laughs) where you're like, I'm going to do this. This is the year I'm going to do this. And, um, and then it would just always fizzle out. Uh, but really, uh, one year I, I just decided to, I'm not going to change the subject, no matter how painful this gets, I'm just going to sit down and keep writing. And, um, I, from that point, hit a huge stride. Like, uh, I wrestled for probably about three months in that space and then, um, hit this huge stride and got a ton of the content out in, yeah. in like one summer, I would, I would get up at 4am before anyone else was up. Uh, Cause I said, I'm a morning person. And, and I found my most creative vein was in the morning where my thoughts were the clearest. Um, I, and, and I would just use that to my advantage and it became kind of what I had always dreamt it to become. And I remember reading this quote in the process and it was, um, to truly find your own voice, you have to lose the concern of it ever being heard. And mm. that really happened for me. I, I, I was funneling for so long because, you know, my book is very personal. It's very vulnerable. Um, and up until the writing of this book, I'd always considered myself of more of a private person. So it was so stretching for me just to kind of put all of my heart on pages for anybody to just kind of pick up and read. Um, And so I would find myself funneling through and adjusting what I was writing and how I was writing through potential readers. And I remember sometimes I would just be blushing all by myself thinking, (laughs) this is so dumb. Um, I, I can never just send this out into the world. Who knows who would pick it up and read it and, and um, that quote, I really was able to tap into that it no longer became about writing for somebody else. It became about writing because of who I am and what I've been created and designed to do. And, mm-hmm. and from that spot, I just fell in love with the process. I, I fell in love with, with the content part. When I got to the editing part, that again was like <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. Wow. What, um, what were some of the sort of personal, um, you talked about some of those lids. Um, can you talk about maybe one or two of those that you had to, you know, kind of bust through or remove to make sure that this got out? Yeah. Yeah. Shame would probably be, um, 
a real big lid. I didn't know um, how much just that, that fear of being seen, that fear mm. of being known um, was really still so much of a rudder in my life that uh, there's things about me that need to stay hidden or, um, you know, it, just the vulnerability. I think, you know, authors just instantly became my heroes in what it actually means to put your heart out on paper. It, it was just so vulnerable for me. So one of the lids I really had to um, acknowledge and be honest about was shame that um, parts of me that had gotten comfortable staying hidden and not fully showing up in my life, fully showing up in my dreams and in my passions. Um, So that was a a real personal wrestle that I had to do a lot of internal work of, oh my gosh. And and it's a huge theme in the book. So I had to first um, become the message Sure. And get it worked into me in a deeper way. And, and fear yeah. was probably wrapped in there as well. Um, and so some of those um, internal, internal growing bigger, you know, my, my internal world growing bigger than the risk I was taking by just choosing to put myself out there and own my dreams, own my story um, I had to grow my confidence to match that dream. And mm. it, it was smaller <laughs> and yeah. it had to grow bigger. What were some of those things that you felt like you did to, to grow that confidence? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, my, um, my relationship with the Lord has been everything for me in that process in realizing some of the things that I was believing about myself um, came because of what my life experience had taught me from some of Mm. the trauma in my life, what that had taught me. Um, And I had to scale it all the way back to, but who, who was I created to be before all those uh, rejection or violations before any of that entered into my story and started to redefine or reshape my confidence and my security. And so really that, that belief that we come from a creator. And if I, if I came from a creator, what did he have in mind when he was fashioning me, when he was before the foundation of the world, when he was dreaming me up and none of who I was, was tainted by abuse or trauma or just the burden of life and that, you know, that's what the gospel did was the gospel uh, was Jesus coming to set us free to be born again, that all, all of those things could be washed off of our identity so we could know who we really are. And it's so much deeper than um, a self, a self exploration or, you know, self identity, because if we, if we come from a creator, there's no way we could ever, find out the fullness of who we were designed to be all by ourselves. We have to go back to the beginning and know, wow, when you see me, you don't see a small insecure person, you know? And I, I had to allow how he sees me 
to start to take a deeper root than what I believed about myself or what my story had taught me and allow his opinion to win. <laughs> I had to, yeah, I had yeah. to surrender to his opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, the ultimate message of this book, it, it, it the title uh, says a lot, but if you had to kind of, um, nail it down to a, a soundbite, what's the message that you really want to convey to the readers of this book? Really that, um, who you are and who, what your voice has been destined to release on the earth, it matters. Mm -hmm. it, it eternally matters. And uh, the lies of insignificance and um, every, every, every lie in our story that tries to, to keep us hidden, to keep us silent, that it's really... Um, to thwart the destiny that your voice has and is intended to impact the hour of history that you were intentionally born into. Mm. Uh, Jen, I'm curious, the, the, to me, there's a, a difficult balance in the, in the message of, um, <sighs> your voice matters, your, you know, your story matters. Um, the world needs to hear from you. And I'm, I'm just pulling from some different uh, things that I've heard. Yeah. So um, I had um, a friend of mine, Stuart Hall on the podcast recently. And one of the things that he said was, you know, you either treat what you have as a stage or a platform. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a platform is about the things that you're talking about right and the stage is about yourself but it seems like there's a delicate balance there in um especially maybe to our younger people but maybe to everyone in hey we you know we, we need to find our voice we need to share our voice we need to, you need to tell your story like what you had to say matters there's a seems like there's a tough balance there between using that as a platform and honoring the the giver and using it as a stage and feeling like what you have to say is so important that you need to be out there. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? Like sort of balancing act? Yeah. I think that balancing act really boils down to our why and mm -hmm. why, you know, cause if, if we are searching for significance um, and that is why we we're wanting to happen on planet earth um then we'll never we'll never reach it we'll there'll never be enough influence there'll there'll never be enough authority um and it will constantly be a need for more and more and more because um that search can never be satisfied um by measuring our impact on the earth and so i think the that when we are realizing the significance we already have and where that significance comes from, then, then we're using our voice from an entirely different space and for an entirely different reason. And, you know, um, so my, my core why uh, comes from my relationship with the father. So the, the most important, um, you know, person 
that my my voice is pointed towards is is the father and you know we we see in the gospel that our significance it will never grow so i'm not more significant if in you know millions of people are impacted by my story you know it doesn't i i, I wasn't more significant the day my my book was published like nothing right. in our life can make us more or less significant because significance cannot grow significance isn't measured um by any type of human measure so our significance comes from our father and when we look at the life of jesus you know he had so many things that would grow he chose to come as a baby <laughs> and he could have just stepped out like adam and eve and he was right. 33 and let's just get this job done but yeah. he he redeemed the process of significance and so so many things about him would grow his his voice would grow his influence would grow uh his little toes would grow um but his significance you know grown esteemed wise men came when he had nothing to offer he, you know mm. he and they bowed down they knelt they brought gifts and they honored him in all of his significance because he was and is and will always be the son of the living god and so our starting point in discovering our place on the earth is is that place of security in our significance that I belong to this father. And so nothing I accomplish on the earth can ever add to what I have because I'm a son or a daughter of the living God. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um so what what are you doing with the book now, Jen? Are you um just continue to kind of to to share it or you is I know that you do some speaking is, is a lot of that based on the similar message um are you still writing where are you now in, in that creative process yeah so I I definitely write every day um the writing has really just more been for my um personal self at this point I definitely will write more books in the future it I'm still just uh savoring this accomplishment in this book being yeah. written um but yeah this book is my life message up to this point so a lot of my sure. teaching kind of revolves around the message of the book um so i do teach regularly and um i'll jump on podcasts and talk about the book and i love all that yeah speaking of um teaching can you tell us a little bit about the role your role at uh, Bethel Atlanta Yeah, so Bethel Atlanta, we uh we have a supernatural ministry school and um it's it is a 3-year program with an internship and I run the first year program. So, um I love it. I we are connected to Bethel Reading um and I attended the ministry school there um when I was 19 years old and was deeply impacted. Um so it's i've been in this role we moved from california for these roles 7 years ago so it's okay. been a joy and a delight the students are phenomenal it's an honor to work with the staff so i really yeah. love it and it's two nights a week so 
it's just a perfect rhythm for having four four girls at home and yeah. uh it's really been great it now as a ministry school is it is it preparing for you know i guess formal ministry or is it just is it preparing people to be out in the world a little of both what is the sort of the end goal yeah the end goal more is just both it's more just focusing on the heart of your identity in Christ and sure. who you're going to be no matter what you're called to do. So it's kind mm. of just that message of getting the who, uh, before we put the emphasis on the, the do. <laughs> right. So right. we're just doing it from the right place. And, um, so we get, we, we get students from all different ages, all different seasons of life, business people, pastors, so that makes for a really special environment um, because people are just so diverse in the places they're coming from. Uh, another thing that my friend Stuart mentioned that really I've been um, thinking about a lot is uh, he quoted another guy and I, he didn't mention his name, but he said, you know, many of our institutions today um, and Stuart is a, um, uh, he does a lot of speaking, but he works largely in the, the faith-based um, world, and he is passionate about raising up uh, the next generation of leaders, so he mm -hmm. works with young people a lot. But he said that, um, you know, many of the institutions today are preparing uh, our young people perfectly for the world 20 years ago, mm. just that we're, like, behind a lot in our in our thinking. And um, so I, I say that to say I'm curious, like, our world, you know, now, even looking at five years ago, is very different. There's just so much going on. Yeah. Um, and so I guess it's easy to look forward and say, wow, who, who knows, right? Yeah. Um, are there some things that 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 you're, you all are doing there in your ministry school um, to sort of help prepare for this new and unknown, you know, what's coming? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the heart of what that looks like for us is just really wanting to keep Jesus the standard mm. and how easy it can become to not even realize we're being discipled by a culture or yeah. we're being discipled by the old way or we're being discipled by religion. Um, and and so we're really constantly bringing it back to what what is the real raw, authentic, resurrected Jesus look like. And that is our standard. That is the point of the gospel. And let's, let's make sure that we're being discipled by that Jesus and mm. not just our own ideas, our own opinions, but the, the living, breathing King. Yeah. What, what are some of the, um, I guess personally, what are some of the things, um, some of the ways that you're approaching sort of our current world? Um, you know, we have uh, currently, you know, I don't even know if we're in the middle of the coronavirus issue, um, or which end we're on. Yeah. Um, and just the, it, it, and perhaps you don't feel this way, so don't don't let me put words in your mouth, but just the. It feels to me with with that and and just po political um, things and culturally, there's just a lot sort of going on. Um, obviously, the 
that you hit on, like the big answer is, you know, who you keep at the forefront. Uh, but are there other things that, that you and your family are doing to sort of stay centered or to, to, to stay uh, knowledgeable and understanding of everything that's going on during this time? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like I, I mentioned before, um, we definitely want to stay educated. Um, right. And so even some of the things coming into my awareness that I had no idea were going on and it can just be a bit overwhelming that it's not just like one thing that's happening. It's like all these, these really big issues, you know, even when we look at the racism and COVID and uh, you know, the, all, all this injustice. And so definitely we're wanting um, to stay educated and look into actual reliable facts that are real. Yes, that's real. what I was thinking when you yeah. said, when you're, one of the hardest things that for me um, is, is that, is like having the discernment to know like, well, who do I even listen to? Who yeah. do I read? That, because there's so many sides to the same argument that it, it's sometimes I, you know, and it doesn't help, but I just want to cut it off and not, not read and not watch because I almost feel like it makes it worse for me. Cause like, I, I don't know who to trust. Yeah. 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 And I think that has been the scary part, you know, is, well, who's telling the real story. Right. And that, that just takes intentionality and, um, I, I find it super helpful when I find people I trust who are leaders mm-hmm. and influencers. And um, when, when they shoot out articles and they shoot out um, where, what they're studying and what they're reading and what they're looking at, because I have a relational investment there and there's been a history, like I didn't just wake up and maybe discouraged about right now just the world around you, what's making you, um, leading you to prayer a little more strongly or just weighing on your heart a little bit about what you see or hear? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, honestly, I mean, what's precious on my heart, Brian, is just, um, just this, uh, you know, the, the reality that the media has been, you know, so, bending Mm -hmm. what, what we are exposed to, you know, the, the truth that we're being led to believe and what's being covered up. That just feels like such an injustice, um, that real people are being harmed by. Um, so that, that little bit makes my blood boil in, Mm -hmm. uh, what I've just been discovering about the injustices done being done to children that, 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 Honestly, it's so horrific. It's hard to jump over and and allow yourself to see this is reality. Mm. And um, I I feel that righteous anger in the middle of the night yeah. for the last several weeks. Um, and and I just can't unsee what I've now seen. And so it's it's um, you know just the the injustice of what is happening on my personal watch. And then it's a little challenging what to do with that powerless feeling. 
of, right. well, I see this now, what do I do about it? Like, what is my actual role? And there's this tendency within myself to then just want to withdraw because it feels so big and so massive. And what can I actually do to make any sort of impact um, in this evil, in this darkness? And so then, yeah. you know, it, and then you feel it, oh, this is, this is provoking personal growth within me. This is provoking the places in me that need to mature um, so that I'm not, I'm not withdrawing from my hour of history, but that I am fully showing up and staying in the fight, even if initially it just looks like I'm going to continue to be educated. I'm going to continue to look for the truth. And if that's, that's the starting point, then that's more than worth my time in the way that I'm currently contributing um, yeah. to, you know, being a part of being on the right side. Sure. Yeah, it's great. What's, what's, um, when you look around, what gives you hope? You know, what's, what stirs inside of you that that's positive or gives you hope about what you see or hear? Yeah. You know, we're, we're surrounded by just a really beautiful community of, um, near and far of people who really are just possessed with an eternal hope of, uh, we know the end of the story and the end of the story is that Jesus wins, that his blood right. is still speaking and there isn't a single deficit in his blood. And so, um, that, that just gives me a deep and profound hope knowing, oh my gosh, we're in a war, but we know the end. And, you know, the, the heroes of past just give me hope in, in people who have bravely fully showed up in their hours of history. And when I, when I see people bravely showing up um, and adding who they are to the fight, I feel a ton of hope. Like, um, so I, I feel so thankful just for the community of people um, that we're really surrounded by that, that just believe, believe that light wins. Mm. Mm. Uh, finally, Jen, what, what would you give, uh, what advice would you give or encouragement would you offer um, for someone? I, and I've, I've felt this way for a long time. I still, I still feel this way largely. Like, I know I've got, you know, this voice or I've got something to say. I've got, I've got something I want to share, but they're just on that, like, ah, how do I get it out? Or what's the first step? What encouragement would you offer for that person who's kind of like standing there at the precipice of beginning to grow in their voice and take even the first lid off? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the first thing that pops in my mind would be um, become your biggest fan. Mm. You know, like, like your, your inside voice, it can be, uh, the most destructive voice or the most empowering voice to our process. And so, yeah. you know, if we're, if we do something brave and we put ourselves out there and then we go home that night and we're super cruel to ourselves and we point out everything we did wrong and we point out why we didn't matter and uh, why somebody else could have said it better. Um, 
you know, it's really hard to thrive. It's really hard to grow in that kind of environment. And, um, and so really becoming our biggest fan and celebrating the small steps, you know, like we do with kids and kids, healthy kids grow in a healthy environment of celebration. And, you know, when our kids are learning to walk, uh, we're not scolding them because they fall down more than they step. (laughs) You know, we're celebrating all the little steps. And what that celebration does is it creates momentum. So the next time they try, they might make four steps instead of three. And we're not yeah. like, well, you should have made 10. You're so far right. behind. You look at your brother. He's already running, you know? Right. <laughs> and that, that environment that's harsh and critical, it just doesn't provoke, provoke any type of courage and movement. And so my, my main advice um, that I'm constantly personally always working on is I've got to be the kindest person I know to myself. Because nobody else, um, nobody else can believe you into where you need to go and, uh, being our biggest fan, you know, and celebrating the thing, even celebrating the failure. Hey, look, you got up and you tried something, you did something. It really invests in a culture that promotes growing. Yeah. Jen, thank you uh, so much. I really enjoyed, um, we, right after we uh, first connected, we went on vacation. I think I told you and I I was able to get your book and I really enjoyed reading it and I appreciate um, what you went through to write it and Mm. share it with the world. So um, thank you for that. And thank you for joining us on the episode today. Uh, I really, your your, uh, grace and your approach is just fantastic. very palpable and i know that the the audience will um, have enjoyed hearing from you so i really appreciate you taking the time ah thank you brian thank you thank you for this um space that you've created just to be so generous with your time and generous with your voice to create um space for people to be encouraged to to step out there and and i i just feel inspired by by what you're creating here so thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be a part it's been a treat well thank you jen and i'll look forward to talking to you next time thanks brian